Join me, Harriet Gould, for the Lab Matters podcast to hear fascinating stories every week from the inspiring people behind the science. Find out how Bibi made her way from one of the poorest parts of Spain to being editor-in-chief at two of the most prestigious chemistry organisations in the world. Hi, Bibi. Thanks for joining me today. Um, I'm looking forward to talking to you. Um, so for everyone listening, uh, we've got Bibiana Campos Siegro here with me. And if I've pronounced that wrong, then um, I'll hand over to Bibi to say it properly. Um, <laughs> in, in the meantime, um, Bibi uh, is an esteemed writer, editor in chief of Chemistry World and uh, Chemical and Engineering News for two of the most, well, the world leading chemical societies and um it's a real privilege to have you here talking to us today Bibi thank you <laughs> no, thank you thank you for inviting me I'm, I'm very excited I'm glad you are um so you know you've uh you've um seen a lot when it comes to the the cutting edge science wise um but before we go into any of that I just want to delve a little bit more into what kind of goes behind the writing a bit more about you perhaps and um and we know that you you were born in Spain and you grew up there and educate and you were educated there degree wise and um, before before you did that something must have um, triggered you to be interested in science and I, I wanted mm-hmm. to talk us through that a little bit. Yeah 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 no that's that's absolutely right yeah I come from from Galicia which is in the northwest of Spain it's one of the poorest areas in the in the country um, it is a an area where we had a lot of a lot of you know fishermen because we are right on, on the coast of this it's a fantastic place uh but yeah i mean my interest in science i guess that it started because i had really good science teachers especially um in secondary school i had phenomenal science teachers biology teachers they were fantastic uh, uh, we had uh, maths uh, f- uh, physics as, as well uh, really inspirational uh, people very um, eloquent in individuals, very committed to uh, teaching science. Uh, and, and, and before that, when I was in primary school, actually, I was in a, in a pilot uh, school. So they were tr- trying a lot of different educational methodologies um, with, with, with us, with, with, with the students. So I think that helped a lot in that we were exposed to lab work and uh, field experiments and, and stuff like that, that perhaps other, other kids were not nor um you know even encouraged to do so i would say that from the um the primary school and you know the experimentation that we 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 were doing uh into secondary school having those really strong personalities uh you know very committed science teachers that was that was uh, fantastic and then uh you know when i went to university um, I mean that was that was that was really good. I think I had the 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 background and the basis to be you know and encouraged in, into into chemistry, which is a, a really interesting science. So um, so yeah, so that's where it came from. Yeah, yeah. You remember a particular field experiment that that you you really enjoyed? So our our biology teacher, he uh, he he was fantastic. He would just come into the classroom and start talking about lots of different topics and he would just talk and I was just fascinated by uh, the way that he he saw the, the world but he would very often uh, take us out 
in, within the town. So we would go to the beach, for example. So we would be looking at rocks there and, and he would be talking a little bit, certainly, you know, a, a lot about biology, but then a, a little bit about geology and, and, and letting us um, learn almost without knowing that we were learning. We have a, also a, a, an area within the town that is very marshy. So there's this otters and then ducks and all kinds of wildlife there. So he would take us into the kind of like little, little, you know, trucks and um uh, and they just talk about different you know plant species and the animals and you know and, and all those kinds of things so it, it was it was really nice and it was a privilege that he was uh, there to do that with us I certainly enjoyed it very much and uh, you know to this day I, I really you know I remember him and I kind of like keep following what he's doing so yeah it's pretty cool what's his name Carlos Valles Carlos Valles well yes <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because he was also somebody who was very involved in politics. Uh, actually, our chemistry teacher was very involved in politics as well. Mm-hmm. And I really admire that about them, you know, that, uh, y- y- you know, in a way, I knew that they were involved in politics because of, you know, my family situation and, and I, well, I knew what was going on. They never kind of like talk about politics to us, uh, but it was... Uh, something that I, I, I appreciated a lot that, I mean, again, they were very committed to science, but they were strong personalities, very eloquent in, individuals. And I, I love how they just talked about the world. It was yeah fascinating. So they, 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 you said they were involved in politics, but your family didn't talk about politics to you. No, 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 no. The, the, the teachers did not talk about, you know, politics to, to us. Like my, my dad was really involved in, in, in politics. So he knew, the teachers and he knew what what kind of like parties they were I guess that supporting and, and and those kinds of things and he was opposing parties in this in this case so it was a little bit confrontational from that that perspective but of course the the teachers Carlos Valles and, and others in in the school they wouldn't they wouldn't talk about about that but um, I, I love to have that insight you know from 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 my my family and I guess that I was the kind of a mature kid and really interested in 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 that aspect of things you know i come from a, an area that has a different language and um and you know there's a it's not like the basque country where they, or, or catalonia where there's a, a strong separatist movement but there's you know claims of independence and that kind of thing so it's you know really interesting and con- controversial so it was nice to be informed about about that excellent you've never felt tempted to go down the political route no, 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 never. I, I don't have the personality for that. No. <laughs> I disagree entirely. I think you'd be perfect. <laughs> I think I, I think I'm a very naive person. I think I would get hurt a lot. Yeah. yeah. I think you've got a lot to offer from a policy perspective, Bibi. Well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, so you, you started, tell us about the magazine that you started at, your first gig, as it were. Um, how did you get into that? Yeah, so... I had a, I had been working with a society in the journals area, so um, you know that's kind of like as a technical editor. So you, you know you apply the house style and, and and all that kind of thing. So that was kind of like how I started in 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 publishing. This was in um, Sheffield in the north of the UK, uh, and um, it was the European Respiratory Society. So for them, I was doing kind of like journal work um but then after that i moved into into magazines into you know kind of like like the, the bright side and i i mean i say that in a kind of like very silly way i i guess but it's a it's a very creative 
space, I think, you know, media and, and the kinds of, you know, publications that I have worked in that I would describe as, as, as magazines. Um, so this was with a commercial company called Advanced Star Communications, which, you know, uh, it has been bought by a number of organizations, including Informa, and I, I don't know what the state status is, is currently, but uh, they were, they had events and a number of publications in lots of different areas, but very strong in the, um, uh, uh, you know, like pharmacy, certainly science, but uh, um, like pharmaceutical technology and then that kind of thing. So I became the, from, you know, working in journals, I became the editor-in-chief of uh, three magazines. Uh, one was um, uh, European, European uh, uh, title uh, for pharmaceutical technology, and then the Asia-Pacific title as, as, as well, and then one for pharmaceutical technologists. So it was for, you know, people working in, in that field and then, you know, different demographics within within that. And I was there for about a year or so. So it was um, really interesting. I met uh, my boss at the time, Peter Houston, who actually really, uh, uh, I don't know, he, he took a chance on me because I really didn't have any journalistic experience. Um, I mean, I understood, you know, publishing, but from the point of view of how you publish a journal and magazine publishing is very, very different. Uh, but uh, we got on. What do you Sorry? think? Just what do you think the main differences are in between the the journals and the magazine? What, yeah. What is... yeah, I mean, in in journals, you have you have peer review for 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 a start, which we were doing actually in in, in magazines. But I think that you know, there's a lot of differences in terms of you know when you're publishing in, a, in, in for a journal, you have the whole peer review system. Typically, you submit your paper or it is commissioned from, from, from you. But it is about in, uh, research that you have done in an area. So you're presenting that research. And it is, in, in a way, very uh, prescriptive because you have a, a title and an abstract and you have methodology and you have you know, materials and your disclaimers and you know, um, any kind of conflicts of, of interest. It is very um, formulaic in, in, in a way. And I think when you move into the magazines area, that kind of like set formula breaks apart because you know, we can talk about research in a lot of different ways. You ideally find a narrative, you find a way of telling that story in a way that is engaging and a little bit different. You can look at the human aspect of uh, research, for example, and tell a personal story, or you can talk about a, a trend and how a field is growing or developing. Uh, so there's a lot of different ways of, of doing that. Uh, you know, we don't have so many tables and, and things like that. Or you can have, you know, illustrative photographs of people and, and, and those kinds of things. So um, I think that this, that's the significant difference that, you know, we have to have a story to tell a reason why you should tell the world about that. And it has to be enticing and, and appealing and a compelling uh, read because you're not reading that so much for information, but m more so for entertainment as, as, as well right well you know with the journals again you read it because you probably have to find a methodology that you need to apply in your next experiment so you know lots of lots of differences like, like that so um so yes i didn't have any experience of uh, publishing or magazine uh, publishing uh and, and 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 peter and and i we really got on like a house on fire and i mean to this day i i adore him he's a brilliant um, guy de doing really interesting uh, things in, um, in in media and we worked together for a year and we had a lot of fun and in fact um, 
I'm, I'm still working on a consultancy basis with some of the people that I used to work with at Advanced Star, um, which, you know, they're all, you know, together and they, they, um, they have a, a, a well, it's not so small, like an average or like medium-sized uh, media company in the in the north of the UK. So um, that was a fantastic experience, and and yeah, I made a lot of friends that I still have to this day. So so yeah, that was a, a really good transition. That then I guess that set my ca- my career on a specific path. Mm-hmm. And then you 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 said uh, before that you were particularly um, orientated towards chemistry, and I've kind of jumped over. Um, you're doing your your um, masters in the UK, um, but was was that the point that you went towards more towards chemistry, or, or was it before that? It, it was before that. I uh, I did my most of my degree in the UK. Uh, uh, so like the first four years I did in in Santiago de Compostela in the north of uh, Spain, mm-hmm. and then. Um, and then I moved to the UK because I got an Erasmus uh, grant. So uh, I, I, actually, I don't know if they exist anymore with the UK because the U- UK is not part of uh, uh, Europe any longer. And we can talk about that until the cows come home. That's the, the worst decision ever, in, in my view. Um, but um, yes, it was the Erasmus program. I went to the UK for a year to do what would have been my last year in Spain, and then it became my last year uh, of, you know, degree uh, in, in the UK. Uh, although there's a significant difference as well, because in Spain, I did, my degree was five years. And in the UK, the degree is three years. And then uh, after that last year, I had a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed that Erasmus year. Uh, and then I applied to do a PhD, actually, not a, not a master's. I went in directly into doing a, a PhD. And uh, and then I stayed forever. Uh, I stayed for seventeen years uh, after after that because I really love the, the the UK. To me, is my my I would say second home after Spain. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I think I mean doing the PhD was a fantastic experience. I don't think I would have had the opportunities that I have had through my career if I hadn't done it. Um, uh, but it is 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 is, is difficult and. Uh, I, I think people have to go into doing a, a PhD with their eyes open and understand that it's a big commitment. Uh, you know, it's, it's three years of research. And I'll tell you a funny story. When I <laughs> when I when I went to interview for my for my my PhD, I really didn't know what a PhD was because my family didn't were not academic. So I I, I am me and my brothers and my my sister were the first generation in our family to go to university so we are first generation which i didn't even know what that was either i'm the first person in my family to have a, a, a phd um so when i went to do the interview there was a line of people who were applying for for the phd position and they were all like you know with their suits and ties and all prepared and they had notes and all all those kinds of things and I turned up in jeans and a in a jumper because I didn't realize how important this was. I thought it was just an informal conversation about, you know, uh, am I am I kind of like ready to go into this kind of new program of 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 study? And um, and then I I got it and and it, and it was great. And then I, of course I told my dad, uh, you know, I'm going to do a PhD, and he said. And what is that? And I said, well, you know, you go into the lab, you do experimental work for about three years or, or so, and then you write a book, and then at the end they call you doctor. 
And then he said, oh, that sounds like a good deal. I said, yeah, they pay you for it and everything. And he said, okay, well, you know, let's, let's do that. And um, so he didn't know either. Great and yeah, and, uh, you know, but the, the interesting thing is that my parents always encourage us to study. And although he really didn't understand what the, the value of a PhD was, you know, from an academic pers- perspective, uh, when I finished, I, I printed multiple copies and I, you know, bound and I gave him one. He couldn't understand any of it, only my name, because of course it was written in English, only my name at the, at the beginning. And I, I gave him a, a copy for him to, to keep and he, he cried, actually. He was really emotional about, you know, the fact that I had achieved that level of, uh, I guess, that uh, academic um, achievement, if I can repeat my, myself. And I'm, the, you know, first person in my family to, to, to go up to that, that level. So, um, yeah, that, that, was, that was really I don't know. It's a really moving moment. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Is he? Is he still around? I don't even know if your parents. No. 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 He died a few years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The, my my thesis is still around somewhere in my in my you know where my parents used to live. Nobody is is throwing it away. So yeah. That's good. Um. So then um, you've uh, you were at Advanced Star as you said, uh, editor in chief of three titles. Um, and then at some point it became time to move on from there. And, and uh, even though that, even though being editor in chief and having a great time and meeting these people, what was it that made you think, gosh, I think I need something new? Mm. I, so this was purely by chance that I saw that the Royal Society of Chemistry were looking for an editor in chief for Chemistry World. And I had had a really good experience with the RSC when I was at um, uh, university doing my my PhD because they would, uh, you know, the volunteers would organize events. Uh, I remember in one case, there was a a big lecture about beer making. So, you know, they had people coming from a brewery and of course there were samples and things like that. Um, But explaining, you know, the process of making beer and, you know, there were a couple of um, events that they organized that were absolutely fantastic and they were, you know, reaching out to us um, to become members and, and, and that kind of thing. So I always thought, ah, you know, I would love to work for an organization like, like that. And, uh, and then I saw the alert coming into my email and uh, I applied for it. And, and of course, you know, I had the chemistry degree as well. So, you know, from my perspective, it would be a nice way of uh, applying that. Um, and then I, I, I got the job, which I didn't expect to get, but it was it was really nice. I, yeah, I was very pleased with myself. So yeah, yeah. And then I ended up being there for six years, and to this day, the the RSC is an organization that I admire very much. Uh, certainly, the organization, the way it's run, its its leadership. I have a lot of uh, still, you know, friends like yourself there. So um, yeah, it has a, a big place in my heart. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a great place. Then we should make a disclaimer or something. Yes, we have worked together. <laughs> yes. Um, so you are now um, uh, editor. Uh, were you editor in chief? Was that your was that your title there? Editor at Chemistry World because it was a, the, the Chemistry World is the member magazine for the Royal Society of Chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more, more. It was a magazine for sure then, and I think it must have had a website at the time. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Evolved into more of a digital portfolio. The mm-hmm. magazine still runs, of course. Um, yeah. So, ed- editor in chief, editor, publisher. What I can't remember what. Yeah, 
I was uh, I started as editor in chief, and then uh, by the time I finished, I was editor in chief and publisher because I was also responsible for education in chemistry, mm-hmm. which is the uh, magazine for for educators in in, in chemistry, um, at like the certainly undergraduate and, and secondary school level. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then at the time we also had a, a magazine for for students, which I don't know if it exists and, and, and anymore. But uh, those three titles and also the the um, uh, CERB, which is the uh, the Journal of Chemical Education that the RSC uh, runs. All those four, you know, properties or titles, if you if you want to call them that, they were under my my responsibility. Mm-hmm. So so yes, yeah, so I was the, the the publisher there. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Chemistry World, very much the flagship magazine. Um, now, how on earth did you choose stories? Because, I mean, I've seen it. The inbox is full. Dear editor, this is very interesting. And you've already said about, you know, the the art of choosing a story that's valid mm-hmm. for entertainment purposes, but is interesting as well, and then presenting it in a way that people are engaged in reading it. So how, what, what, were, what were some of the better ones? Let, let's put it like that. What, what were your favorite? Yeah. Do you remember any? I think, I mean, I mean, speaking generally, I think that the, I mean, certainly that there is an art to telling a story, which is, you know, like the craft of journalists and, and writers in, 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 in general. But, you know, when you're talking about a specific field, and in this case, a field of science like, like chemistry, then, then there is a kind of like another, another level that is layered on top of that, which, you know, it has to, brings value to members of the chemical sciences community so from from that perspective you know the the team there are certainly professionals from the point of view of you know the, their journalism writing skills and all those kinds of things the majority of them also have a background in science and many of them in uh, chemistry specifically and many of them at the highest level you know, like phds in in, um, in 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 chemistry and and even i think some postdocs as, as, as well uh so you know they bring that expertise where they have knowledge of an area of uh, not just science of course they know the chemistry but also within the chemistry so they will know about you know analytical chemistry and what is hot and what isn't in, in that space, they will know about the business of chemistry as, as well. So, you know, they will know about, the, you know, the latest, you know, trends, you know, what is happening in terms of AI and, and all those kinds of things. Who are the movers and shakers? Who are the, you know, early career scientists that are already kind of like, you know, making some waves and uh, changing the way that, that chemistry is, is, is done and perhaps reaching beyond their kind of like a sphere of influence, right? So if they are in the UK, are they actually getting opportunities to go abroad and talk at conferences and stuff like that? So in a way you you rely a lot on the the knowledge and the expertise and the contacts that the team have uh, because that is something that they have developed over many years as students of chemistry and then as they, you know, as they, they went on. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot that comes uh, out of that, and you know, very often you get kind of cold calls or emails where somebody says, you know, you should really write a story about X, and you know, we pay a lot of attention to that. While well, I was at the RSC and then uh, at the American Chemical Society after that, where there's uh, you know some people who are really very well connected and they know what is what is uh, happening. Uh, and not, not also what is happening, but what is going to happen. So, you know, from that perspective, this, this, um, those are the kinds of uh, 
contacts and, and, and people that we kind of nurture very, very well because um, they have a, a vision of, of the field that is really interesting to us. Um, so, yeah, so, so, you know, from that perspective, that's, 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 that's the way of, of, uh, that it works. There is the journalism side, which, you know, you have to nail, right, you know, in, independence and, and, and all that kind of thing. And then the, um, the, the science size the chemistry size side which is um you know where a lot of value for for readers um comes comes from so um so yeah 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 that's that's the way it works was there any um anything in particular that you really relished covering or writing about or ha including in the magazine um i don't know i guess i guess that um there's nothing specifically that that comes to to mind. I mean, I'm just thinking about you know the last ten, fifteen years. Yeah. I guess that my favorite stories are the ones where where there's there's people involved and the the, the voices of of those people are kind of like what carries the the the, the narrative. Um, I mean, I like I like uh, interviews, for example, uh, a, a lot. Um, yeah, those are the kinds of stories that I, I like because I like to hear a little bit about the the person, and then about their science and you know how they got into 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 that. So um, yeah, those are the kinds of stories that I I like best. Yeah, and I think I feel like we've uh, before we before we move you on to um, the ACS, um, there were some various life life moments while you were at the RSC, the birth of your children uh -huh. and then um, before that uh, meeting and marrying your now husband um uh -huh. it, it, you did you met him at work is that right uh, uh, that was when i was finishing my my phd yes he was working at the university but for a different um okay. faculty in a different department in the humanities yeah 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 and my kids yeah i had a, a twins uh, in 2011 so that was a few years um, before I left the the RSC. So that was that was quite interesting to <laughs> to, to to handle that as well as all the you know the work responsibilities. But uh, I actually remember that. Um, so my kids were born on Valentine's Day. So that was fourteenth of February two thousand and eleven. And about two three weeks before that, I remember going to Burlington House in which is the headquarters of the RSC in in London. Uh, traveling from Cambridge on the train, and I was I was huge, right, with with twins, and I, <laughs> I went in the in the underground uh, to record a webinar uh, in in Wellington House, and uh, yeah, that was uh, an interesting uh, trip because I, I I it took me twice the amount of time because I was so slow walking, but uh, anyway, it is it is what 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 it is. So you yeah, I, I am thankful for the support that I I received from RSC as well through my you know pregnancy and after that. You're here with me, Harriet Gould, for the Lab Matters podcast. If you like what you hear, please rate us on your favourite podcast platform. Yeah, I think um, it's pretty impressive. Two two children all at once and four magazines and, and you, you did it all seamlessly. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but yes, it, it was done. That's the, that's it looked the thing. Seamless. Yeah. It looked seamless <laughs> from our point of view. Um, so then after what six years you said at the at the RSC chemistry mm -hmm. world and all and all the fun that goes along with that um, suddenly it was time to to make a move again 
yeah. um, this time to, to the rival, the rival, for goodness sake, or is it a rival, but the, the equivalent across the pond, um, the American Chemical Society, um, mm -hmm. and their, their in-house magazine, the um, Chemical and Engineering News. Uh, what, what, right. what, what, I can remember thinking at the time, what are you thinking? Don't leave us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was a difficult decision because I was really happy at, um, at the RSC. But, you know, it was an opportunity to work in, in a different country, a whole different continent, right? Mm -hmm. uh, a, a much larger society from the point of view of, you know, the membership base. The RSC has about 50,000 members, 50,000 plus, and uh, ACS has 150,000. So, you know, three times the size um, of uh, the, the membership. And in terms of the, the team, although, uh, you know, I went from managing four titles to managing just the one, Chemical and Engineering News, it had a very broad portfolio in terms of you know webinars and newsletters and all, all that kind of thing actually they didn't have newsletters at the time that's one of the things that i i started so the, the portfolio became bigger as i i came came in um but you know it was a large team it was 50 55 people at the time all across the the world including china uh, germany the uk and then all across the the united states uh and also being responsible certainly for the editorial side, but also for the production side, which included all the, um, you know, um, copy editors, proofreaders, uh, production editors, but also the the, the web and uh, creative side. So the, the designers, art directors, um, UX um, experts, so the people who were uploading stories to the, the web and designing the website and all that, they, they kind of like came un under me. So... That was a great, great uh, experience because I, I love the multidisciplinarity mm -hmm. and I really enjoyed having people all across the, 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 the world. I, I'll tell you that it was really interesting because our team was one of the few that was operating uh, across multiple uh, time zones. And um, that forced us to look at you know, technologies very, very early on to make sure that we could communicate seamlessly and, and quickly because, of course, we had a, a weekly uh, publication schedule we were publishing a magazine every week which they still do to this day in print and web uh, and then uploading stories every day continuously right uh, so from that perspective you need to be in touch with people regardless of time zone anytime so you know we were very early adopters of uh, slack Mm -hmm. which is a messaging uh, system we had everything on the the cloud we had transparency in terms of the processes and who was doing what so you know if a guy in, chi in China filed a story then it would go to the first editor who was in San Francisco and then it would be proofread by a copy editor in Chicago you, you know that, that that kind of thing mm -hmm. there had to be transparency so that we knew where the story was and who was looking at, at after it, so things could be could be moving uh, along. So from that perspective, you know, when COVID came, for example, my team were totally ready. On Friday, we decided, okay, on Monday we're not coming in because this is, you know, dangerous. We need to look after ourselves and, and, and the team. And it was totally seamless. The only thing that we had to do was um, purchase uh, some of these, you know, like bigger screens for people to have at, at home. That was the only thing. It was just that kind of like, a, you know, we'll just buy them and send them over. But no dramas, no things falling through the cracks. We just did it because, of course, we have been doing it for for a long time. So um, anyway, I'm kind of like going a little bit on a... Not at all. Off on, on a tangent, but I, I really enjoyed that 
the the multidisciplinarity, the different geographies, uh, the team was you know diverse. I mean, of course, I'm I'm from from Spain, living in England for 17 years, and then going into the U.S. So you know, I'm I'm speaking British English, and they don't understand a word I'm saying, uh, and uh, you know, and all that kind of like gelling was 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 happening, you know, with with people working across the the, the world. So that was that was fantastic. It was really funny because I, you, <laughs> you know, like when we were having like brainstorming meetings and stuff like that, and I said, yeah, I would say things like, oh, yeah, but that's a cracking idea. <laughs> and they're looking at me like cracking sounds breaking or broken. That's not a really good thing. I said, no, 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 it's the opposite cracking. You know, the Irish say this is really good. <laughs> or or <laughs> the opposite pants. Oh, that's pants. You, you know, you don't want to do that. Really? You know, underpants? What are you talking about? So anyway, there was a lot of kind of like, you know, also, that's not very English things to say, I guess. Right, exactly, <laughs> yes. Do you speak American English now? No, no, no. I I, I, I have, a, I mean, I have a very thick Spanish accent, of course, but I, I speak, uh, as I learned English in, in, in Britain. I use a lot of the expressions that they use over there. The only thing that I would attribute to the uh, American way of talking that I use is awesome that's awesome because the, here they say it all, all the time and I, I I do use it but I think that's about the only thing that I have kind of um, extracted from the American uh, yeah, language so yeah that's good um so how long is it now if, if you were at the I can't remember when you left I can't remember when you said you left for was it for 2014 yeah 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 I started at the ACS uh December the 1st 2014 and, and until this last December so which was 2022 so it's eight eight years uh with the organization yeah yeah and um and that has recently come to a conclusion Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. That was the December. Uh, I no longer work for ACS. Now I am a visiting professor at um, Stony Brook University, which is a public university in uh, New York. And I also do some consultancy for a number of uh, organizations, just helping them I guess that uh, either accelerate their business or, and by business, I mean, you know, very gener- generally, like, you know, certainly the financial side, I'm, I'm helping some organizations with, with that, but also, you know, their op- operations, uh, you know, streamlining there. So uh, I guess that, uh, yeah, accelerating their, their businesses or improving their businesses, um, a lot of streamlining, a lot of uh, let's just stop doing things that don't move the needle, let's the impactful things that that members can can uh, feel and 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 notice and benefit from. So so yeah, that has been that has been really interesting. I mean, uh, it's certainly you know good to work for uh, ac- academia, uh, but then also for, on the consultancy side, uh, seeing how different organizations operate. You know, there's different speeds, different priorities. They attract completely different people. So, you know, like societies have um, more, I don't know, kind of like internal approvals um, and those kinds of things. They can be, you know, slowed down quite a lot by that. In some cases, uh, you know, you have this idea of uh, analysis, sorry, paralysis 
by analysis or whatever like they you know like they they constantly need more data and you know is you have you have good people people have experience and you have good data because you survey your your members you need to you need to marry those two together and you know empower them to go and do do things and that comes less naturally to societies and associations that it does to the the commercial side and the commercial side things happen a lot quicker and you have you know very entrepreneurial in individuals but i would say that at the same time you know the the they could be can be or there's a risk that they can be less uh, rigorous about some of the the processes as, as well so it has been really interesting to 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 witness that and see how they prioritize those those things in different in different ways um so i've i've really enjoyed it so far i guess and that um i mean that that rigorousness that you mentioned in the commercial side, I don't know in the consultancy, but certainly with the magazines that um, that will come into play wherever you are, the editorial integrity. I mean, it's quite a crucial part of maintaining that. And it struck, it struck me recently, I noticed not, not everyone really understands the, the importance of editorial integrity. And, and I, and I wondered if you could just uh, give us your take on that and why, why it is. From your perspective, that it is so crucial. Yeah, I, I think to me, the editorial, editorial integrity or editorial in, in independence—they're slightly different things, but very, very closely related. It's probably the most important thing that publications like Chemical Engineering News or Chemistry World have, because it's all about credibility with the members, the readers, existing and potential readers and, 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 and members. Um, you know, the, the, the chemical industry and, you know, chemical industry is, not, is, is, it is, it is huge. And then there's the pharmaceutical industry and, and, and biotech. I mean, the, 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 the field that we serve, the Royal Society of Chemistry and American Chemical Society and, and you know, and, and societies like that is absolutely huge. But it's also so complex and there's a lot of different interests within that. If you think about how drugs are made and, and you know, it, it, all of all of, you know, the whole process for for a, a drug from, you know, from ideation and, you know, through clinical trials and then reaching the market, uh, you know, in the chemical manufacturing, think about sustainability and the environment and in, in, in those kinds of things and how some, you know, organizations have had, you know, perhaps not a very good track record and, you know, they're trying to make amends and then there's, you know, lawsuits and, and, and that kind of thing. And then there's the public perception of science and chemistry in general, you know, chemophobia and how, you know, people equate the word chemical with man-made when, you know, chemicals, we're we all chemicals, right? You're made out of, out of chemicals. We breathe chemicals all, all the time. We, we, survive thanks to to to, to chemicals it, it is such a it's such a complex field i mean the chemical sciences in, in 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 general you have to be really you have to have a lot of integrity in terms of how you talk about your science and how you how you present it to certainly your closest audiences which are the practitioners of chemistry and, and chemical engineering uh, and then there's the, the, the public who may be exposed to some of your you know content your stories and you know webinars newsletters and, and and that kind of thing and and if you don't create stories that have rigor that are 
independent so that they are not influenced by either you know the chemical companies or the you know societies that that we serve or the members even right Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it can be really problematic because then you lose the the, the, the credibility. And if if um, I think actually COVID is a really good example where um, you know people, and this was you know chemists but also members of the general public, they were really hungry for organizations that would talk about the you know what was happening in a way that is independent and, and rigorous because it was life saving right so so you know at, at this point i was at the a- acs and we were writing stories about um i mean this is at the early days of the pandemic we were writing the stories about disinfectants and how they work and are they effective against the spread of of covid we also wrote about the the masks and which masks were again effective and which ones were were not and why it was important to use them and and, and that kind of thing and our usage went through the roof, like like multiple times the regular usage that, that that we had, and I believe that a lot of people were coming to us, uh, chemical and engineering news, because the association with the American Chemical Society, and I'm sure the same happened to chemistry chemistry world, mm-hmm. and you know in, in a way they were trusting us because we are an independent organization that reports you know independently about the spread of the disease and the, you know the, the disinfectants and, and 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 all of that and people were very scared uh so you know i mean that, that's an that's a, an extreme example of why it is in, in important but when you're talking about the environment and you know people uh suffering from copd or asthma you know in places like india or even the uk right and and you know potentially dying from you know pollution you need to understand how pollution works and who is polluting and how can you stop that from from happening and and i think the independence is crucial to be able to do that authoritatively and rigorously and in a way that you build the trust with the 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 readers and so independence and integrity are at the core of that mm-hmm. i completely agree it's really nice to hear you say it and give those examples as well because as there's so much scope for publication nowadays in um, new ways and it's so important that people understand that certain outlets are different and they do have credibility for very good reason and, yeah. and that can uh, feed into people's thought process. Yeah. I agree with you and I, th- I think that you know there's so much happening in terms of you know AI and, and misinformation and disinformation and you know some bad actors I guess that flooding our our you know the internet and our i guess the channels with uh, incorrect information misleading uh on, on purpose right uh and, and then some not so much in, in on, on purpose but i think that the, the result is, is is the same and i think that it's becoming more and more important to make sure that that independence is not is not hurt in 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 any way because i think that the new technologies are making it harder certainly this this a greater volume of um, bad content, if you want to call it that, or, or not good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's just going to get worse and it's going to get harder in terms of differentiating the good from the bad. Uh, so I, I think that, you know, it may, may get worse before it gets better. So, um, yeah, 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 I think that that's a, it's a worrying uh, development for sure. I mean, theoretically, um, the, the, the independent magazines can have their heyday we thought we'd had it, but it could be in the future. 
because mm -hmm. if it's going to get worse before it's going to get better, then people will be seeking something they can trust ultimately, I would have thought. Yeah. Who knows? Um, it'll be it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I wonder if there will be something, you know, like for example, in the UK where you have the BBC. Uh, I, I mean, although I guess that you could argue that you know how independent it, it is. I don't know. Maybe in the old times it was more independent than it is today. I, I don't know because I haven't lived there for for some time. But you know, almost kind of like having that seal of approval, where you know there's a number of media organizations that are in, independent. Independent. You know, it could be that we get into that situation where there's some kind of. Um, verification status or something like that where uh, you know people can actually clearly see whether there's interference from either governments or, you know politicians or organizations you know like um, uh, corporations and stuff like that maybe that's there's some kind of like um, system developed in the future that allows us you know as as consumers of information to discern between what is independent and rigorous and what isn't I think we're just going to have to learn it all. I think we're going to have to learn enough about everything so we're literate and we can be discerning because it, otherwise we'll have people infiltrating these organisations and they'll have agendas and, you know, how do we stop that? Mm. I'm not sure. We need democracy to do its job, I suppose. Um, so let's hope that does the trick. Yeah. Um, and, and Unless it's Brexit, obviously. You said you could talk about Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. To me, as somebody who went to the UK uh, to study and then I stayed there for many years and, you know, my family are, are, are British and, and it is my second home. Well, now I couldn't really go to the UK and just work there. I would have to apply for a permit. And, uh, you know, even when I travel with my kids and if we go to Spain or we go to the UK, they, they have to stand in a different line from me, uh, you know, because I'm a European citizen and they're they're they are not, and I think that that's very silly, and I think is 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 hurtful because you know we're so close, and the UK is such a an important part of 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 Europe, and there's so many people. I mean, certainly in Spain, people that immigrated, you know, to enjoy their last you know few years in the in the sun, and and now you know they 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 have traveled to get healthcare and all those kinds of things. Is I don't know. I I think to me, you know, it's 2023. We should be closer as people, as humans, and not further apart. And, and I think that this divisiveness is is un unhelpful and harmful to society. Uh, so yeah, I'm totally against <laughs> the UK leaving the uh, the European Union. Yeah, I'd like to think <laughs> I'd like to think we could even um, we e even if we're not in the political. In, in political alignment or on the on the pitch as it were um we could at least get rid of the um the, the divisive things like different cues i think the different cues is a little bit unnecessary mm -hmm. i can't mm -hmm. see can't see why that's helpful or relevant yeah exactly yeah 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 but i'm sure there are a lot lot, lot more things um that affects the day-to-day -day that I'm sure people would agree with you on, uh, that uh, it's made things a little bit more complicated. Mm -hmm. um, I think there have been. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to move through that. We'll just have to wait and see. Right, yes, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, I don't want to push you anymore but <laughs> on, on the Brexit point in politics, but I mean, like from a, from a scientific point of view is there anything more that you could um that you'd like to see 
I mean, we've just had we've just been reintroduced to Horizon twenty twenty, so that's a really right. Yeah, um, but anything else science wise that we could just oh, if we could just do that. Yeah, I I, I saw that. Yeah, I I mean, I, I think that it, it, again it is un, unhelpful because before there were no restrictions and others restrictions or you know pro, processes again you know for for the the UK when I was in living in Manchester for example and doing my my PhD the there were many people who were doing PhDs at the same time as as, as me and you know many were from Spain Greece France uh, Germany and of course British people and we were all together trying to communicate with each other in you know clearly and it was fascinating and I think it was very diverse and it was very helpful because we were learning from from each other and helping each other and it was a kind of like a melting pot and now that is it is harder to have that because the environment is less friendly for for Mm. a large proportion of those those people who will uh, certainly have more difficulty, you know, securing, you know, permits to live in in, in, in the country. But there may be also some, uh, they may be discouraged by, you know, certain behaviours. Uh, um, yeah, it's always, I mean, I lived in the UK for 17 years and I absolutely love it. And I've lived now in, in the US since 2014. And, and being foreign is, is not always, <laughs> it's not always great. Um, uh, and you know when when like decisions by by the government make it make it harder, you feel less less welcome. And sometimes you know it is at the at the at the kind of like the the, the macro level. Sometimes it can be at the micro because some some people we kind of will reflect the 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 policies and the divisiveness that is being fed to them from from the governments. And there may be some instances of you know microaggressions and. Mm -hmm. stuff stuff like like that uh, uh, so you know I, I mean in in the US uh, I'll, I'll tell you for example I, I've received a, f a few right where <laughs> I was uh, when I got the, the the job at the American Chemical Society I was um, I received a phone call by somebody who um, wanted to ask me about my uh, immigration status in the uh, in the United States he was particularly offended by a story that we wrote because of the way that we uh, referred to the president at the, the time, which was within our house style to refer to them like like that. So we, we, we used the same treatment for all the presidents. So, uh, but he didn't think that that was, well, it was, it was Trump. So um, uh, typically the house style is that the first time you refer to the president in the story, you say President Donald J. Trump or President Barack Obama. I don't know if he has a middle name. Uh, and we always do that, but then every reference thereafter is just the surname. So it would be Obama or Trump or, you know, whatever. Uh, but of course, this person didn't like that we were referring to President Trump as Trump. So uh, he called me to tell me that. And then, of course, noticed that I am a woman and also foreign. So he asked me about my status in the United States and... Um, uh, you know what? What? How was I qualified to do my job? <laughs> and then, and then it kind of like degenerated into asking me if I knew who the 16th president of the United States uh, was, whether I knew how many people died in the 9/11 um, attacks, and and then it you know it kind of like went from from there. So so you know that that happens, and when you have a, you know politicians and governments that are making decisions that that 
segregate or separate people like I believe Brexit has, has done. You know, maybe maybe those people are encouraged to do that more or more more often. So um mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't think it's a it's a good idea. We're all we're all humans and we're all trying to make a living and uh you know, uh, finding a, a way to support our families. So I think that the, some basic uh, respect should be should be granted for sure. Yeah, I've, I think um, I think a lot of the divisive nature of a lot of things are wearing thin on people at the moment, and it's quite obvious why. Um, so moving on then just to the future, and let's hope it's a, a slightly better future, and it doesn't get too much worse before it gets better. But um, if you could have your way, I don't know, we could pick AI, we could pick politics, but um, if you could have your way, what what would it really look like? How would we move forward here? And what what's the, what's the big vision for the future? <laughs> well, you know, I think it's going to be amazing. I, I think, you know, a lot of people are scared or worried about artificial intelligence and, and, and those kinds of things. But, you know, people were also scared about when the internet, started and you know or you know when we first started using computers and all of a sudden we were all going to you know uh, our legs will, will shorten because we're not wo- walking anymore and our hands would be you know like really silly stuff like that or think about the printing press right I mean how many how many hundred years uh, ago ago and all the book burning and and, and, and that kind of thing I think uh, technological advances are always uh, s- scary and you know very often they go they go before any kind of like um, uh, before the population can really understand the implications and what they mean, and before we can even develop some kind of like ethics around the usage of the technologies. Uh, for example, one of you know, if you think about genetically modified foods and now CRISPR, for example, which is a, a means of genetic modification. That that is a really clear example that has happened in the last you know few 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 decades where uh, you know it's a useful technology. We need to think about we, how we can use it in a way that is ethical and that it helps us and it doesn't harm people or the the environment. And I think that there's an opportunity to do that with um, AI. And there's lo- lots of cases of AI being used for you know better quicker diagnosis of disease, for example, in terms of cancer treatments and stuff like that, they are, you know, AI can be super accurate and can do, uh, can do uh, look at um, diagnosis very, very quickly. Uh, so, you know, in a, in a way, the human is doing quality control versus doing all the, the, the work, right? Uh, so I think the future, I think the future is, is, is bright, I think that, you know, from a chemistry perspective, I think AI is going to help a lot in terms of the field of, you know, drug development. So we will have drugs, you know, quicker and, and cheaper, of, of course, which is which is great. We will have machines in the lab working 24-7. We already have them uh, and they will be performing, uh, you know, tasks. We will be using, you know, uh, uh, certainly 3D printing is another technology that is kind of very widespread these, these days. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, all kinds of like visualization technologies, you know, like uh, like the Google Glasses a, a, a while back. And, 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 Other and, glasses and that. available. Yeah, yeah, I think that that would be <laughs> fantastic. Um, smart speakers in labs and, and you know, having conversations with, with robots and, and, and things, things like, like that so that... Uh, processes happen seamlessly without having to touch things but human directed I think it's going to be fantastic uh, where we're going to be 
hopefully released of many tasks that are repetitive, you know, menial, perhaps, you know, again, a machine can do better and we can concentrate on, you know, the creative side that I think, you know, humans are unique at, at doing. We can think about, you know, the long term and how we want to change the, the, the world and, and, you know, how, how do we use technology to, to, to do that when we, you know, really can concentrate on, you know, having those kinds of thoughts versus, you know, like setting up a, a, an experiment that is going to take 20 hours and, you know, you have to um, do a lot of, you know, washing and cleaning, which is what we used to do in my time, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be super exciting and technology is going to be uh, really underpinning a lot of the, you know, these, these developments and, and accelerating the way we do, we do science. Yeah. Good. That really is cheering. You paint a very nice picture, Vivi. Um, <laughs> it, it made me love when you said about um, people thinking that our legs were going to shrivel up when we got computers and we wouldn't have to go anywhere. And that's, there's no fear. And it just reminded me of something that you've done that really is marvellous, that isn't chemistry related, that I just think needs a little shout out. Um, and what well, your weightlifting, um, you're <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. still doing weightlifting. Uh, no, I actually stopped uh, because of the pandemic, actually, and then I never got back into it. Maybe I should. Uh, I should now. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a little bit you said older. Records. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I, I started doing power lifting in 2000 and. 15 and by 2016 I participated in one competition and I broke a world record in uh, deadlift I lifted 321 pounds and I have a certificate somewhere in this room uh, hanging there yeah 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 it's pretty it was pretty impressive I I, I tell people so that I can scare them a little bit (laughs) I think it's wise keep that feather in your cap um thank you so much Bibi it's been such a pleasure to speak to you um, I'm I'm really glad you were able to join join us from Washington for heaven's sake. Um, it's we, my pleasure. It's really great. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Thank you.